Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. I'll appreciate the encouragement of the youth over here. I'm a, actually, I asked him to do that, so, you know. <laughs> and this morning, I have the blessing and the opportunity to bring the Word of God. And this is something that I've been praying about and asking God, what do your people need to hear? So today I'm going to, the sermon topic of this morning is, it is trusting God after disappointments. And we're going to be reading uh, from the book of Psalms, chapter 13, verse 1 to 6. And also we're going to be uh, from 2 Kings, chapter 20, and verse 1 to 11. Uh, so let's read it. So I would like you to you stand as you're able. Let's read Psalms 13, 1 to 6. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day after sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Lord, me and ask me, Lord, my God, give me light to my eyes and I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in you in failing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation, and I will sing to the Lord praise, for the he has been good to me. Amen. Maybe see it. Let me let me start with a prayer. Sorry, before you there you are, Father God, we come to your presence, Father. With an open heart, Lord, we want to look God, you speak to, speak to us, Lord, in this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We begin today with one of David's psalms. We don't have a date on it, but when this psalm was written, in, in, in what circumstances, but we could put it around any time when he was perhaps he was running for his life for King Saul. He was trying to kill him. Perhaps we can put it on the time when he was on the run where his own son, Absalom, was trying to kill him. Might not even be one of those times as recorded in the scriptures, but it could have been just like a dark day when things happen. And let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have had a heart a dark day when things happen. And sometimes when we have those hard days, there's not even anyone we can, who can talk about it. Sometimes that problem is so personal that only you know about it. Not even your spouse knows about it. And it affects you so deeply, and you can feel that no one's going to understand me. That could be like a... a have been a day like David was going through. But whatever the circumstances in this chapter and this verse, we can hear and we can feel the disappointments on those verses. The feeling of abandonment, questioning God, why? How long? But in verses 5 and 6, David takes his disappointments, his feelings, and makes a choice. He says and declares that no matter how he feels right then, he trusts in the love and the mercy of God. 
And though hurt and weary, he chooses to put his faith in God because whatever David is facing, he has already learned that the value of the truth that he could trust God when he's faced with disappointments and trials in his life. Now, thankfully, most of us, we haven't been on a run from a king who is trying to kill us, right? Or, or a son that has tried to murder you lately. But for most of us, our disappointments are a little less than what David was going through. But that doesn't mean that we don't face disappointments in this life. We understand that disappointments come in all shapes and sizes. For David, those disappointments and trials were massive because of the brokenness of this world. Those disappointments were out of his control. We could also understand that some of our disappointments are self-inflicted. Have you ever messed up, or messed up, sorry, or done something you shouldn't have to? Let me tell you a little story. There was a young man in Bible college. He was trying to do the right thing, but through the wrong means. He was trying to hear from God. He was trying to know what God wanted him to do in life. It was a noble pursuit. But instead of praying, instead of fasting, instead of seeking pastoral, pastoral advice, he decided to play Bible roulette. Who knows who's Bible roulette? You're smiling because you, you played that before, don't you? Bible roulette is that he randomly opened, the, opened his Bible and he stuck his finger in a verse. And he says, the first verse I'll, he landed, it will tell them what's the purpose, what's his purpose in life and what God wants him to do in life. So here it is. He opened his Bible and landed on Ezekiel 28.8. Look at this encouraging Bible verse. He said, they will bring you down to the pit and will, you will die in a violent death in a heart of the seas. So inspiring, right? He should put it in the, in the wall frame. In his, in the... Now this young man, he learned a couple of valuable lessons that day. He learned that we do not manipulate God's world to will to do something that he was never intended for. The Bible isn't a spell book, or God is not a God in a genie in a lamp that we can ask him whatever we want, whenever we want. The second lesson he learned is that self-inflicted or not, the Christian life is not without its disappointments. Expecting one thing from God, in this case, this young man was looking for guidance, but instead, he found what? Disappointment. Both can, kinds of setbacks can be found in every life, and Scripture doesn't try to sugarcoat them. God acknowledges the reality that as we learn to trust in Him because of the nature of seeing of this world, and that the kingdom has not fully come on earth as it is in heaven, life will not always and not often be what we hope for. And so, we ask today how we can trust God after 
we've been giving news that we don't want. Maybe news that we pray against. And for that today, we're going to be looking uh, look in 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1 to 11. In verse 1, I would like to look at how Ezekiah handled some disappointment news and what God did after that. In 2 Kings chapter 20, verse 1, it says, In those days, Ezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord said. Put your house in order because you are going to die. You will not recover. Now, if you thought you were having a bad day, this is the start of the one of the roughest days of anybody's life. So let's assume you were Ezekiah, you, you are in Ezekiah's place, and you're sick, and you're praying for healing and all that, and all of a sudden God sends your friend, the prophet Isaiah, and as soon as Ezekiah sees Isaiah, he was like, yeah, good, I'm glad that he's here. Or you see the pastor coming like, good, God sent the pastor to give me good news. But guess what? Isaiah probably, with a sadness in his face, he told him, you're not going to make it. You're going to die. But putting aside the particular of this bad news and disappointment, there are always two options when we know that things are not going to work out the way we hope. We always have two options. The first option is, the first option will be giving up on trusting in God and to try to find something, trying to find a different solution or another solution. We probably try to find something on someone else to trust. We all have had people in our lives, and probably we ourselves at the times who have been given bad news. And when that happened, we tend to run. We tend to run out of a broken relationship. We tend to run out of our illness. We, get, we tend to run in money troubles, even in church problems. We tend to run. But sometimes we take those disappointments and we try to find comfort in things like substance, unhealthful relationships. In, and in many, many, many cases, we develop some form of anger toward God. And at the end of the day, all of these things simply leave us empty and with less than what we have already. The second option that we always have when we get bad news is that the second option is the example we see in David and Ezekiah. They declared that no matter the outcome, I will not going to stop trusting in God. Even when it feels that the hardest things to do and my disappointments feels like a, a way pulling me down into the abyss of despair, I will remain trusting in God. And verse 2 and 3 record that here we can, in, in verse 2 and 3 of this chapter 20, we see that how Ezekiah faced this terrible news. Does he, does he throw a fit? Does he turn his face against God? What does he do? Ezekiah deal with this bad news. Ezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed. And this is what he says. Remember, Lord, how I walked before you faithfully and with a whole heart. 
hearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Have you noticed in this verse that Hezekiah, he doesn't pray for healing? He doesn't go, God, please heal me for what I'm going through. But he prays for remembrance. He said, please remember me, Lord. Now, the question is, does Hezekiah, he wants to be healed? Of course. It's obviously he wants to be healed. I'm sure he wants to be healed. But I'm sure that also that the list of what he has done, God already knew it. But the point of prayer is not to demand but instead, Ezekiah takes his disappointments and pushes it for a moment. He decided not to trust in himself, not in some other means of escape, but he asked God to remember him. In other words, he's saying, God, I still choose to trust you. Even in this bad news that I have, I still choose to trust you, Lord. The Bible doesn't tell us that Isaiah shops and gives Ezekiah the bad news and said, well, and the way Ezekiah responds is like, well, I'm done with the Lord. I try my best. I already prayed. Nothing is happening. I'm just going to give up. It's not the means to the end that he chose, but instead he said, I will trust in God even though I am in despair, even though I'm disappointed, even though I cannot stand the news. Ezekiah, he doesn't seem to know. And even though, in this Bible verse, Ezekiah, he doesn't even see to know how to pray. Have you ever been there in those situations? You get terrible news. You get a news from your family, from the doctor, from the bank, and you think, how am I even going to pray for this? And the only thing that comes from your mouth is, God, please help me. I don't know what to do. I don't know who to call. I don't know what to do. How incredibly this kind of prayer is. In Romans chapter 8, verse 25 to 27, talks about how we pray when we don't know how to pray. It says that Ezekiah, he, he was crying bitterly. In Romans 8, said, The Holy Spirit himself intercedes for us through worldless groans. And here we can see that Ezekiah was doing. He was groaning and weeping. The unknown words intercede, growing too deep for words. The cries of desperation, the unknown words speak when we can't and don't know what to say. Personally, I can recall more than once praying this way with desperate words because the outcomes were so desperate and all I can say was, God, help me, Lord. I don't know what to do. I don't know what, who to call. I don't know what to do. As we continue reading, we see that God heard Ezekiah's prayer. In verse 4, he says, Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. And in verse 5, he says, Go back and tell Ezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and sing your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life, and I will deliver you and this city from the land, 
hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Bring some massive figs and place them on the king's open sword, and he will get well. It's interesting how God used, used and chose to use the medical means of that, of that day to perform this miracle. We see that God not only healed him, but also granted him with 15 more years. Until here, the sermon will be okay. We see a problem. We see a solution. Everybody's happy. Let's go home. But then, the strange part of the story. Who likes the strange part of the stories? I do. They're always the funniest. Ezekiah doesn't... Ezekiah, he does something we will find strange and maybe offensive. He asks for a sign. Ezekiah said to Isaiah, what will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? Now, stop right there. If I were Isaiah, if somebody asked me, if I tell him you're going to be healed, and they tell me, like, but how do I know you're going to be healed? I will say, well, the signs that you're going to be healed. What other sign do you want? But this is what, what he answered. This is the Lord's sign to you that the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward 10 steps or shall it go back 10 steps? It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward 10 steps, said Ezekiah. Rather, have it go back 10 steps. Here we can see in the Bible the first savings, daylight savings. Here we can see in here, it gone back. Now, the first time you read this, probably have a reaction similar to me, right? It sounds like Ezekiah is ungrateful. God just healed him. Now he's just start questioning God. As someone from our own age and day, if I saw God heal someone and then ask for an extra sign that the God had healed him again, I might some take some offense. Like, oh, how, how do you dare to ask him those questions? But the more I look into this, Ezekiah, he was not questioning God at all. Actually, what is more likely going on in here is that Ezekiah, he was trying to make up for his father Ahaz' past mistakes. Actually, what Ezekiah is doing is he was trying to, to show God that he does believe and that God can do anything. But you might be wondering, how do I know this? Well, Back in chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, and we have to understand that 2 Kings and the book of Isaiah probably should be read together because they're happening at the same time. In chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah, God, through the prophet Isaiah, made a promise to Ezekiah's father, who goes by name Ahaz. And as he made the promise, God offered Ahaz a sign. But, but Ahaz pretended to believe the promise. And he told Isaiah, you know what? I don't need the sign. I think I'm good. Thank you very much for your offer. So I had, Ahaz, in reality, because he, he made his own plans. He made an alliance with another country. He didn't need God's help in his own mind. He was like, I got this, God. Thank you so much for, for your offer. But I got this. And so he didn't want to bother with God. He didn't care about what God has promised. So he just told Isaiah, thank you very much. I don't need your help. However, going back to chapter 20 on, on Second King, 
In this chapter, we can see that his own, his son Ezekiah, in similar circumstances, he did the opposite and asked God for a sign, because he wanted to show, unlike his father, how much he really did care about God's plans and promise. It's not a coincidence that the sign was performed in the royal palace. God showed Ezekiah his power over the universe itself. And Ezekiah showed God that he was not going to dismiss him because of the ups and downs of, of, of his life like his father had done. Ezekiah asked for a sign because he knew how faithfully God was despite setbacks and discouragement. Ezekiah chose to trust that he was in the hands of God. I depend on the Lord. He chose to trust in God's greater plans. And the application for us in 2023 here at Prairie Creek Baptist Church, we all hear and we are called to do the same, to trust in the Lord. Through the grace of our God, whether those disappointments are as difficult as losing a loved one, or as small as just the fact that our day is not going very well. We need to learn that we can still trust in God no matter the disappointment. We need to trust that He has a bigger plan whether our prayers are answered in part or in a whole. In this life, we will have disappointments. I think I've shared this to some of you, but in 2021, when I graduated from seminary, I was looking for a job, and I was applying everywhere. And then all of a sudden, I got a call from some place from Kaufman, Texas, in, in the middle of nowhere. They come and they said, hey, we want you to come and come and work with us. We're going to give you, and they offered me Many things. They said, we're going to give you housing, we're going to give you this payment, position, and everything. And I made two mistakes in that moment. The first thing is that I, the mistake that I made is that I, did, I didn't pray for guidance. And the second mistake is that I trust in a person. I trust in someone like that, that they told me these things. All of a sudden, I got to that job. Here I am, and all of a sudden, surprise, we don't have anything that we promised for you. And I have to be looking again, going back. And, but at that moment, I made a mistake to, to trust in a position, to trust in a job, to trust in how much they're going to pay me, to trust in, 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 in a person. But I did not put my trust in the Lord in that time. And, I, and that was the disappointment. But let me ask you this morning, how often are we disappointing in our positions, in our jobs, in our ministry, in our family, for what we're going through? Even in, even in our brothers and sisters in Christ. But let me tell you that whether our disappointments have anything to do with God at all, when our hopes and beliefs and the things that we trust are shattered, we need to remember that sometimes we put our trust, hopes and trust in the wrong places. I can even trust in my own health. I can, get a, I can get, get hit by a bus as soon as I walk out of here. The point is that 
if I'm putting my hope and faith in a person, that's also the wrong place to put it. If I put my hope and faith in my job and my education and my bank account in a leader, that's the wrong place to put it. If I put my hope and faith in anything besides God, we're going to be disappointed. And sometimes we need to remember that and relearn to trust in God and know that He can take the chaos, the regret, and turn it into something good. And as we come to the end of this sermon, let me encourage you to trust in God, in His power, in His love, and redemption to the cross and resurrection of Jesus, our Redeemer. Let us trust God who came in the flesh and forgive our sin to make a way for us to have a relationship with Him and eternal life. Trust Him to lead us as we lead others. Trust God in our relationships, loving those in the world around us. Trust God for our tomorrow when we don't know what to do, how it's going to work out. I don't know. I just got this bad news from the doctor. I just got this bad news from the bank, bad news from my family. I don't know what to do. And as we talk about today, we are reminded to trust God when we are disappointed and tempted to find other solutions. As, as our creator, our sustainer, redeemer, God knows for what you are going through. He sees the beginning his, at, and the end of our plans, hopes, and desires. Throughout our, throughout our lives, God has given us every reason to trust him. He has given us the Holy Spirit to ensure us the faith to do so. So in this morning, let us embrace that trust in our lives and in every part of our lives. As Paul reminds us that as we learn to trust in him, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 to 13, it says, I am not saying this because I am in need, but I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what is to be in need, and I know what is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether we are fed or hungry, whether living in a plenty or in a one, I want to do, and I, I'm sorry, verse 13, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And let me finish with these verses of the, of the last words of the song we're going to sing next. This song talks about that the same God of Jacob, the same God of Moses, the same God of David, the same God of Ezekiah, he is the same God who is with us this morning. These are the things that this song said. You hear your children then, God. Now you hear your children now. Your answers pray back then and you will answer now. You were providing then, Lord. And you are providing now. You moved in power then, and God, you will move in power now. You were a healer, and you're a healer now. You were a savior, and you are a savior now. 
And this, and let me end with this verse that he says in there, that this is the promise to the Lord to our lives. In Matthew 28, 20, I will be with you, I will be with you to the very end of the age. He's not saying I will be with you whenever you're good, whenever everything is going well in your life. He said to the very end of the age, even in your pain, even your desperate moment of life, I will be with you. Let's stand and sing together.